the old Microsoft, it's back. Happy Friday, friends. It's it's always, hopefully, hopefully this podcast, as I stutter through there, puts you into a good mood. Because if you're listening to this, it means it was a, a Friday has occurred. The sun has not exploded and the moon has not smashed into the earth. Whatever, a little, <laughs> a little spacey there. Either way, it is Friday. Good moods. There was, Microsoft had its big AI event this week. Microsoft also got a lot of saucy details coming through the CMA, through the Xbox stuff. So let's just dive in to the tech news of the week. So there was a Windows 11 beta build this week to the beta channel. There was no no dev or canary builds this week, which are typically where we're going to see more interesting stuff. Uh, but in the beta channel, there was a new touch keyboard settings. There were new live, ca uh, more languages for live captions. And there's also a multi-app kiosk mode that has been introduced in the latest beta builds. But nothing really coming through the canary builds are where like, like my eyes and probably the majority of the industries, at least enthusiast eyes, are going to be watching because that's where we hope to see little tidbits coming through about Windows 12. But we got no builds this week to dig into. So there you go. Now, the big Microsoft news of the week was the AI news. So Microsoft held an event this week where they talked about productivity and their office apps and how uh, AI is going to play into that and where they were bringing their co-pilot branding from GitHub and that is just going to be their sort of thing. So uh, if you have a chatbot in a productivity application, it's going to be branded co-pilot and that's what Microsoft was showing off and they are putting this thing everywhere. If they can put a Bing bot or a, a co-pilot bot in an app, they are absolutely doing it. We saw it in Excel. We saw it in Word. We saw it in PowerPoint. We saw it in quasi loops i'll talk about that in a second we saw it in teams we saw it everywhere microsoft is putting this thing everywhere they are moving fast they are moving aggressively as possible and it really kind of truly does feel like the old microsoft is back and what i mean by that if you're not older listeners will who live through the bill gates era will absolutely know what i mean where it was full steam ahead we are absolutely clawing market share no matter what we will do anything possible to make sure we win this segment and we will do it as aggressively as possible and that is exactly what microsoft is doing we know they're being so aggressive that they fired their ai ethical team in their last round of layoffs like that is that is kind of crazy microsoft has really pivoted hard on this because it used to be we have these these ai practices that we believe in that they published several years ago by brad smith and then microsoft saw that they had a business opportunity and they put on the horse blinders and just said, screw it, uh, we're getting rid of, we don't really care, we think we can win this, we think we can take some market share back from Google, and we will do anything that's possible, we don't really care if there's blowback, we'll deal with that as it comes, and they are just smashing ahead as fast as humanly possible and it's really really interesting to watch because they are doing this with very little regard to anything now i'm not saying that it's necessarily all a bad thing i understand where microsoft is coming from but this is the old style bill gates business model remember like internet explorer how they just smashed through that i think microsoft's driving uh, force behind this is that they truly think they finally have a leg up on Google in search and contextual bot space, and they are not going to take any risks and potentially blowing that lead like they have done in the past, like things with like HoloLens and other products where they were generally ahead of the market, and then they just kind of faltered. Uh, tablets is another great one uh, from back in the day. 
And so Microsoft walked through all this stuff. It was a pre-recorded thing. It wasn't live. Live would have been better. And they showed up a whole bunch of splashy demos with great looking office applications, these suave experiences, but you can't use it yet. So Copilot, the big difference between this, and Microsoft actually really does have a big leg up because of the thing called the Microsoft Graph, which is just an API that allows you to access all your contextual stuff inside your organization. And by doing that, Microsoft can layer their AI on top of it and see things. So uh, the great example is you go to a meeting, I don't know, about tacos, and then you send some email about tacos, and then you have Teams things about tacos. Well, the co-pilot can actually see, okay, he went to a meeting about tacos, he has emails about follow-up tacos, and there's other tacos, and it's Taco Tuesday, and can bring all this stuff together as I try to get this junk out of my freaking eye. Um, if you're watching the video, that makes more sense. But anyways, it can bring all of this stuff together, and then it can do it just using your data as its own model, its own large language modeling, rather than just being like a, a, a generic AI, as you will, or if you will, like Bing, which sort of searches everything. And that's a Microsoft's big advantage uh, that others will have, uh, honestly, issues competing with because it's like hey we could go build a contextual bot that's easy to do especially with chat gbt and all that stuff that doesn't it can be done in a weekend but you don't have that data layer that is so critical to making the business decisions and surfacing that data that microsoft will have and so it's gonna be interesting to watch like the long tail horizon there, there there's a lot of things going on here one i'll make a couple predictions i honestly believe so microsoft has a good thing going with edge i think that microsoft in the near-ish future will push an update that will maybe potentially make the search bar where we're all used to searching for websites and everything they'll, they'll just be like oh you know what? we're just going to make that the bing chatbot by default and good luck everybody I honestly think they will do that. Uh, they already shoved Bing into Edge with an obnoxiously large icon. You cannot miss this thing. It is the size of the sun. It doesn't matter what resolution display you're on. It is huge. It's bigger than your profile icon. That being said, there is an update coming that will allow you, I believe, to toggle it off. And so that is <laughs> that is a very good thing, thankfully. Um, but either way, Microsoft will, I, I truly think, eventually hijack that. And someone's going to say, Brad, they would never do that. That breaks convention. Well, they also ripped out the start menu in one build of Windows. Microsoft, once again, being super aggressive, thinks once they think that the search experience using the Bing chatbot is better than generic search, they will push that to default. I, I strongly think they do. Now, the longer issue I think Microsoft is going to run into. Microsoft has done a wonderful job uh, from an outside perspective of staying out of the regulatory limelight. Not, you know, they're not being Facebook, they're not being Meta. They've stayed out of that. I think that AI is going to be the thing that gets them back into hot water soup because of how aggressively Microsoft is doing this, the advantages they have for deploying this, and effectively the jobs that can be railroaded because of it. I mean, if you think about it, if you're in the content creation industry, this is somewhat it, like genuinely scary that I, I did it last night you can go into chat gpt4 and say write a chapter of a harry potter novel and the jk rowling style and then read it to your kid and it, it produces content i mean i could write and quote unquote write another harry potter novel probably in a weekend it's not maybe not be perfectly canon but it would be pretty darn good based on what chat gpt4 which was also announced this week was able to output it's really really interesting and then what's the legality of that i'm sure obviously if i if i'm ripping the whole harry potter style there's an issue with that but i could get a book in the market selling 
for months before the legal ramifications would catch up. And if it sells and catches on fire, like, I, okay, I run away to someplace else. Um, it's, I don't know. And then also Midjourney V5 also dropped this week, which I'm a big fan of. Midjourney is a lot of fun. It's you. The biggest difference between four and five is that with five, you can get more detail, which is great, but you have to be uh, another level of specific to get that detail. It, it, it's a tool and a trade that you have to understand actually how to get the most out of mid-journey but once you figure it out it's a fantastic tool i use it for a lot of thumbnails actually and i tweet pictures about it all the time because i find it truly fascinating but i got way off track there but i think that the thing that is going to get microsoft into hot water is truly going to be their ai I think that's where, I don't know if it's today, I don't know if it's tomorrow, but eventually I think they are going to clean up with this because they are moving so fast and so aggressively and they have such an advantage by investing $10 billion into OpenAI, which most people, myself somewhat now, are calling closed AI because you can't really access a lot of their stuff and they're pretty much just turning into everything they said they wouldn't. I think this is what lands them in hot water in long, long term. Uh, the, the courts move slowly, and so I'm not expecting this to happen tomorrow. But if you think about it, Microsoft, if they could, I, I would be wondering what Microsoft will be willing to sacrifice to keep their AI prowess, right? If the courts come and say, look, you've got to get split up, right? And they say, okay, well, we're going to split up Microsoft. How are we going to do it? Well, is AI going to become its own business? Right, that's sort of this fourth entity. Currently, they have uh, they have their consumer side, which is like what uh, more personal computing, which is Surface, Xbox, uh, Bing. I think there might be some other things in there. Then they have their productivity side, which is primarily Office and Windows. Uh, Windows actually is on the consumer side, but then then they have their productivity stuff, which is Office. Then they have more cloud computing, which is all their cloud services. And then there's sort of now this fourth bucket that sort of touches everything called AI. Now, Microsoft hasn't come out explicitly yet and said how they're going to charge for this, but we all know that Microsoft isn't just going to include Copilot for free. They are going to charge for this. That's going to be their growth strategy for the next couple of years. And so we'll see. Other interesting things that did not come out of this this like productivity event that Microsoft has said, uh, we saw nothing of loops, and, and I see, mean nothing. We didn't see the app, really. We saw loops within Teams, and they looked great, and they ex it worked ex exactly like they do in the loop app. Uh, but Microsoft didn't announce the loop app like I was really expecting. They also didn't talk about Teams 2.0, which is also, I believe, expected potentially this month as well, at least in some sort of preview. And so it was like, you guys had this productivity event. Maybe they only wanted it focused on the AI and they wanted the AI to be the news as if it wouldn't grab headlines. And if they talked about loops, that might dilute it. I don't really know. It was kind of a... Yeah, it was kind of a thing. So anyways, uh, that's sort of the big... like news that came out of that event. Microsoft also announced nominations for Windows apps for Windows Store App Awards for 2023 are now open, if that's your thing. Also, uh, on a corporate side, they announced that they have a new lead independent director. It was replaces John Thompson, and now it is Sandra E. Peterson is the new lead uh, independent director on the Microsoft board. I believe Satya retains the chairman role. So... There you go. On to the gaming news. If, if AI wasn't enough, there was a lot of things that rhyme with CMA. But first, uh, Microsoft is launching Chromebooks in early access, or Minecraft, I should say, launches on Chromebook in early access, not Microsoft. So that's another big win for Chromebook users. If you want to play Minecraft, you can now do so on your Chromebook. Uh, Microsoft also announced several 10-year sent 10-year agreements this year, this year, this week for their Activision Blizzard deal. If they get it through Boosteroid, and then there were a couple, there was another one. Um, much smaller, but they do white label stuff for uh, game streaming telecoms around the world. Either way, Microsoft continues to ink those deals. 
But the FTC actually came out and scolded Microsoft this week and said, you guys aren't producing enough documents. Apparently, the FTC continues to probe Microsoft, and they've been asking apparently several times now for documents that relate to future plans related to future consoles. It's like, who doesn't want to see that? And actually, Microsoft did submit some stuff, and they had to black out code names and other things uh, of the like. Uh, they also want to know future marketing plans for Game Pass and everything else. And so they're not just looking historically at what Microsoft is doing, but they also want to know what are Microsoft's plans in the future, which are, again, if any of this comes out, will be saucy information to dig through. But either way, apparently my FTC is not super happy with Microsoft. Now, uh, I'm going to throw a chart up on the on the video here on the audio side. You're not missing too much, but it's a chart that came out of the CMA regulatory stuff and because there's a lot of finite details and it's easier to read uh, <laughs> read text. When you have a graph up on the display, it's not your eyeballs. So this week, Microsoft, Sony, and the CMA, they all published all these documents related to their, their basically the rebuttals to the, the CMA's initial complaints and everything else. There's not tons of stuff new, but there are some fun details. Microsoft very clearly calls out Sony and says Sony's position is self-serving attempt to protect its dominant market position. Uh, Microsoft also claims that the CMA has made a fundamental and obvious error on its impact calculations, which is where this graph comes from, showing how some of the larger studios about where their money and their publishing content actually goes. And as you can see, to little surprise, it actually mostly goes to PlayStation. Microsoft also smartly reached out to many independent publications and had them write letters on their behalf, specifically to the UK, which I found super interesting. One of the one of the studios was uh, related to Minecraft back in the day, and they actually one of them very specifically called out and said that Sony's dominant position actually makes them less money because Sony controls the narrative and they don't really have a lot to say in how they go to market and Sony only puts dollars into certain types of titles. And so they were, it was really interesting to see all these studios back Microsoft, who's typically this massive juggernaut. And of course, Microsoft's not going to submit uh, these letters unless they're positive. And they all pretty much said the same thing that Microsoft has always upheld their promises. With Microsoft, they're making more money and that sort of thing. So that is super interesting. Sony, for its part, really just continues to dig its heels in and says that Microsoft could continue to screw them over. They could say, yes, Call of Duty can be on our platform, can be on PlayStation Plus, which Microsoft did say that the Call of Duty could be on PlayStation Plus, and Sony rebuttals and says, yes, they could do that, but they could require a fee that makes it not possible for us to actually do it, and really just coming up with any potential way that would actually uh, mitigate any sort of Call of Duty on PlayStation, and so Sony is really just very clearly making it that they don't ever want this deal to go through and they will say anything and everything to make sure it does not and so now i believe we are pretty much just waiting on the cma to kind of figure out what they're gonna do related to all this but again tons of documents but nothing honestly nothing too too new so on to the questions of the week. And we got a lot of questions this week, which is wonderful. So Felipe Costa comes and says, Happy Friday, Brad. Happy Friday, Felipe. I have, oh, I have a conspiracy theory that has been in my mind for a while. Don't you think that it's a little suspicious that two heads in the Microsoft space, Rod Ferguson and Mike Ybarra, both went to Activision Blizzard just one to two years before this whole ABK deal being announced? Not saying here that this was intentional, but it does make you wonder. Well, it's not illogical to conclude something like that. Microsoft actually has done similar things if you look back at the Nokia acquisition with Stephen Elop. I'm not saying that that was also a Trojan horse scenario. That being said, Microsoft, one of the biggest gaming company on the planet, uh, or biggest companies, and then has a very prominent gaming platform. And then you have one of the biggest companies on the planet, Activision Blizzard, who likes to steal Microsoft employees. And it's not, it's not completely unusual 
that being said, it certainly didn't hurt the case for Microsoft acquiring that, right? With the more leadership you have from your old org inside ABK makes the conversation just a little bit easier. Easier. That being said, I don't think Mike or Rod were actually part of these negotiations, right? This is all C-suite stuff. It could be, you never know, they could have planted the bug and say like, look, whatever. But you got to remember Activision was in some really negative press cycles for a while and it looked like Bobby Kotick was trying, they were trying to get him out and maybe Microsoft was like, look, we can make some lemonade out of this and we'll try to buy you. So I'm not saying it's wrong, but I'm saying I don't know if it's explicitly why. Uh, the Joe Finn said, inspired by your tweet, where, why do you think there's such a big disconnect between Microsoft's UI concepts and how their products actually looked? Recently in the Office Copilot sizzle reel, but frequently in Windows videos as well. So what he's referring to is Microsoft during their AI event showed off these really flashy and vibrant versions of Office Word and everything else, and they look fantastic. Now, granted, there's definitely going to be some usability issues uh, on the accessibility side with the way that they showed off these apps if they truly look like that. That being said, it'd be awesome if they gave us an option to turn on the features that made it look like they do in the sizzle reel. Now, as for why do they look so different in the videos versus the actual product? Because you have two different teams doing this. You have a design team who's trying to make a splashy marketing video, and then you have the engineers dealing with the reality that is Microsoft Word, right? Microsoft Word is not exactly a new beast. There's definitely some technical depth, and there's definitely some user ability that they have to maintain and so I don't know if they would ever truly take their UI concepts which looked beautiful their sizzle reels have really improved over the past couple years and turned those into actual products I'd love it if they did but we will see Microsoft is really careful about tinkering with its productivity suite because it makes so much money from everything Southhawk says we're coming up on the two-year anniversary of Windows 11 RTM yeah, we got a little bit of time. We got a little bit of time, but yes, you're correct. Do you expect Microsoft will start to talk about Windows 12 within the next year or so? Uh, what would their focus be in the next version of Windows? Well, this is an interesting one because we're a little bit outside of a traditional... Well, we've been outside of a weird cycle for a while now. Typically, Microsoft would announce it a year in advance, something like that. But with Windows 11, they announced it four months in advance, something like that. That's really what they announced, I believe, four months, something like that. It was like June and then shipped in October. Yeah, that's about four months. Are they going to do that again? We don't know. Remember, you got new leadership. Panos is running it. The fact that Microsoft, we believe, is going to be building it in Canary, minus the UI elements, means that they're really starting actually the public testing roughly now. And we would expect it to launch, like I would expect it to launch, September or October of next year, which really means that they may not announce it until maybe like June again right before they get ready to release. What I do think Microsoft is going to do is they're going to test everything under the hood imaginable with the canary build and then they're building a new ui experience that lives on top of that that they are not going to be flighting and then one day they'll come out and say we're going to announce windows 12 they'll announce it and then they'll turn that new ui experience on and then they will start testing it but microsoft did that exact same thing remember microsoft did that exact same model with windows 11 and so we may not hear anything about windows 12 until next year would be my bet would be my bet RJ says, I see that the Narrows and Zion are still closed due to high flows. This might work to your advantage because the water going through there was snow long, was snow not long before, and the temperature will be brutally cold. So, and uh, not next week, but the following week, there will be no podcast because I'm going on spring break and we're going back to national parks and we're going to try to hike the Narrows. 
That being said, the Narrows, if you're not familiar, is a narrow slot canyon with a river flowing through it, and you have to hike up the river. And so what RJ is referring to here is that when the flow rate is above 150, I think it's CFM cubed, cubic feet squared, or something like that. That's the calculation. When it's above 150, they close it, and you can't hike up it. And so what he's referring to here is that a lot of snow and a lot of rain have been melting, and that would make the water brutally cold. Yes, he's absolutely right, but I will tell you that our plan is to rent, uh, there's outfitting gears out there where you can rent effectively, like water waders where you just step into like a rubber bib and so you don't actually touch the water granted it'll still be cold but we're not actually hiking like getting our feet wet by any means and i expect the water to be cold either way because the highs around that time will only be in the upper 50s so uh Matt bear says with the rumors of sony making a ps5 pro popping do you think microsoft will make a third xbox series model not talking about Keystone here that we think that will come out eventually too. It's an interesting question uh, because, yes, there's a lot of rumors that Sony's going to come out with a mid-cycle refresh and would Microsoft do the same? I kind of hope that they do, but I'd be curious about to see where they would slot this thing in. So would it become an Xbox One X, if you will, where it's the new top dog at a higher price point? Or would the Xbox Series X drop in price and then the new top dog would just take over? Or would they just get rid of the Series X and call it the Series X Pro? We don't really know. We haven't heard any rumors. I'm actually a little bit curious about what a refresh would actually bring to the table. Because if you think about it, the only thing that really makes sense for a uh, for a new console would be that it would always be locked at 60 frames per second. One of the trade-offs you sometimes have to make on the Series X is, do you want performance mode or do you want the frame rate or uh, whatever? The, what are they? There's the performance mode that gives you higher frame rate. And then there's like the visual mode that gives you uh, higher, better quality graphics. And so if they could get rid of that and make it so that it's just always performance and prettier, then that would be the ideal scenario. I don't know. I do not know, actually, because Microsoft has seen most of their sales, I believe, coming from the One S. Now, granted, that's the fault of their own because that's what they're shoving into the market. And the One and the Series X, excuse me, has been much harder to find up until it seems like maybe the supply strengths are easing up a little bit, but we don't really know. So uh, I don't know, actually. This is this is a wonderful question. Sidechoker says, hey, Brad, do you think Microsoft could see a return of an iris scanner for the Surface Duo 3? I really miss it, that feature since my Lumia 950. I don't know. Uh, the reason, and I don't, I'm just saying, I don't know, cause I don't know, but the reason why is the iris scanner is a bit thicker if I remember correctly. And that was one of the things that made the, the 950 a little bit chunky boy. And so Microsoft hasn't seen a lot, didn't see a lot of success with the iris scanner. If I remember correctly, windows hello, obviously makes a lot of sense in that regard, but the duo three, the reason why I think they may not include it because duos are so thin and that putting that iris scanner in there would require them to be thicker. I mean, look what they had to do to get just normal cameras in there. That massive bump on the back. Uh, I don't know if they will, to be honest, because just because of that thickness. So tourniquet says, Hey Brad, hope you're doing great. Hope you're doing great too, tourniquet with three questions in the hopper. It seems like TikTok is in talks with a potential buyer amid US, U.S. pressure. Do we know if Microsoft is still, again, interested in buying TikTok? Could they even buy it with risking their ABK deal? Uh, we haven't heard anything about Microsoft wanting to buy TikTok again. I hope that they do not, and I suspect that they probably will not. Uh, I, I think that it's just smart for them to avoid it. If they want to get ABK through, first off, would they have the funds, right? They got to commit $70 billion to buy ABK. I'm sure they could finance this thing somehow considering how much the cash flow Microsoft makes. I don't think that they will go after TikTok and I honestly hope that they do not. Uh, do you have any info on what Microsoft is planning for Windows V next? And does Core PC play a role in all of that? I'm not sure about Core PC, but we've already seen a lot of what Microsoft has going on, right? Remember that Silicon, Silicon Valley, 
uh, that Windows 11 Next Valley thing that leaked, I believe it was at, uh, was that at Ignite? That wasn't, that that was Windows 12. That was a, a thing that they're pushing towards. And so I believe that we are going to see a, a UI, a, a potential UI that follows that, that logic. It's going to be super risky if Microsoft puts that, what do you want to call it? Like file, like the status bar at the top. If they truly put that at the top of the OS, like Mac OS, I think the plot has been lost at that point because Microsoft sometimes I don't think understands how people use their own product. Uh, moving the start menu, maybe they're with Windows 11, like, look, everybody adapted. We moved it to the middle. It's just fine. Maybe. And they say, look, we'll put the system tray stuff all at the top, just like Mac. It'll be fine. It worked for the start menu. Maybe. We'll find out. Uh, we'll see. I think that, and there's some other things that uh, the kernel change stuff is really going to be the driver of what we, we kind of see. I'll be curious to see what they do on the security side as well. More importantly, also the NPU side, which is why I think we're seeing some kernel changes uh, coming down the thing. Uh, so when can we expect the Surface Foldable Duo 3? Is the end of the year realistic for that or rather next year? Uh, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to remember what the last I heard. I thought, I don't know if we will see it this year. I don't know if we will. Uh, I want to say it was 2024 because Microsoft is trying to do this thing with the Surface Duo line where the UI matches it, like all of their stuff. And so when you think about Windows 12 launching, actually launching a Duo with Windows 12, that would potentially have an issue with the UI elements unless they make Android look like Windows 12, which they could do. I got to check my notes the last time I heard uh, about that. So uh, that kind of wraps it up for the week, my friends. A lot of Surface Duo 3 questions. I'm curious, are people... I mean, look, I've got the Duo... This is the Duo 1, which I I still prefer the Duo 1. I've said it a million times. Still prefer the Duo 1 form factor than the Duo 2. I know it lacks the camera, and I know you got to do this funky thing. If you want to take a picture, you got to go like that. But, uh, I don't know. I just still... The Duo 1 was a, was a special kit, I, I think, as the Brits would say. So... There you go, my friends. That wraps it up for the week. Bunch of hoppers, bunch of questions in the hopper. Screwed up that, of course. And uh, lots of AI stuff. Lots of stuff happening in the world of Microsoft. Next week, we'll see what happens. Really hoping they go public with loops. Was hoping it was going to be this week. Fingers crossed. But I know in the enterprise world, they're pushing out information about how to download it in the enterprise space. So why aren't we getting the consumer side? Maybe we'll get it here in the very near future. So, as always, my friends, thanks for tuning. Thanks for listening in. And make sure to keep it subscribed here because the only BS on this podcast is me.